0: So I hope you guys had a great week last week. I know I didn't. (laughs) It was uh, was a rough week. It's okay though. Um, Today we are looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan and it is uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37. And I want to kind of drive it home with the necessity of this parable in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. So if y'all could go to there, that'd be great. We'll read the parable first. This is another one of the situations where um, Jesus is talking to one of the religious leaders of the day because they always wanted to challenge him and they always ended up with no response. You know, like when you're talking to somebody and you know, it's like this battle of comebacks and eventually the last guy's like, your face is whatever. Uh, that's how I feel a lot of the times when these guys have no rebuttal. Um, and he really puts them in their place. Uh, is everybody there? Okay. So, and behold, a lawyer stood up and a lawyer, a certain lawyer, a lawyer, you know, in those days, that was a a member of the Sanhedrin. And we don't know, I don't know, maybe somebody else does, but if this guy was a a Pharisee or a Sadducee, I'm not really sure which one of the two he was. They were both members of the the Sanhedrin, which, and while they really did in that day, these guys, like their lives basically consisted of arguing about the law. So they were like, why this, why that, why this, why that? And they would come up with new little tidbits of rules to add to the laws and so on and so forth. And they had a whole new set of laws that they believed were from God and they were not at all because that's all they had time to do. That's all they did is they argued about the law. Who is God? How do we do this? How do we do that? So this question that this lawyer is about to ask is a question that is very commonly talked about amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So that being said, We'll have a little bit of a better understanding about why he asked it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? So I think at, at that point, he's asking him what's written in the law. He knows he's a scribe. He's a lawyer. He knows he knows the scriptures back and forth. But like I said, they all read it differently. So he's asking him, What is your reading of it? So he answered and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So I don't know if, if you guys are familiar, but the, that, those two commands out of the law are from two totally different books. So the first is out of Deuteronomy, and the second is out of Leviticus, so... Um, I don't know why he chose those two to put together, other than maybe he's heard Jesus talk about it before, because Jesus often was saying, you know, love others as yourself, Uh, love God, you know, with everything you are. So I think maybe he was just kind of like playing on Jesus' uh, previous teachings to kind of get, get a rise at this point. And so Jesus, in simplicity, just said, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. That seems easy enough if you're, a, if you're a lawyer, right? I mean, you know, I know the law, I live by the law, this is what I do. But the truth is, is Jesus knows that he can't do it because we're selfish in nature. So when he says it to this guy, the guy's like, uh, he tries to justify himself, right? He says, and in order to justify himself, he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I can just see him like being all sarcastic, go, well, who is my neighbor, you know? And how often do we do that? How often do we go and we try to justify ourselves? We try to find loopholes in Scripture to justify our belief or justify our actions in that particular situation. Um, and it's not just, in, not just when it comes to others, but just in, in, in so many different ways. We're always looking for loopholes so that we can live our life for ourselves and not, not for God. <clears throat> and Jesus answered him and said, A certain man went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So, this example is also very common in that day. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho and back was extremely perilous. It was a difficult journey. There were narrow chasms that they had to go through. There were hills. I think Jerusalem was like 2,500 feet above sea level, and Jericho was like 800 feet below sea level. So... It's this, I mean, coming back from Jericho was really hard. We don't know which direction they're going, I don't guess, but, um, no, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, but it was very common in that day, and people understood, like, people just get robbed and murdered on that road. It's just a long road. It's an 18-mile trek. People doing it by themselves or I mean, it happens, you know, they should know better. And I assume that's probably what the priest was thinking here in just a minute. So this example, everybody understood it. Everybody said, okay, we get that. It happens. So, you know, let's go from there. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So a priest, you know, they, I mean, if anybody should have helped this guy, it should have been the priest, right? I mean, he's the closest to God on earth. He's the, he's the ones that, that all of the people look up to and they say, man, these guys have got it all together. But the truth is, is this guy didn't even pause. He just is walking by, sees him, and then just kind of passes on. Now, why do you f- figure he did that? Do you think he was just selfish? Do, I mean, I, we don't really know. I mean, I, I don't know why he did it specifically, but I can imagine that it probably was because he saw this guy laying on the side of the road, bloody, soiled. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a fight or seen a fight firsthand where somebody gets knocked unconscious. Anybody? No, I have. It's, it's not as pretty as it is on TV. On TV or in a movie, somebody gets knocked out and you're like, yeah, that was awesome. And they might kick them while they're down and that's the end of it. But you lose bodily function when that happens. You can be beaten to a point of unconsciousness where your bowels just let go, your, your bladder just lets go, and it's just, it's not pretty. And it's dirty and it's nasty. And this guy I was walking by, I seen this guy laying on the side of the road and he was like, I do not want any part of that. I don't want to have to wash up again when I get to Jericho. I don't want to have to wash up again when I get to Jerusalem. It's, that's, that's like a huge process for these guys to get clean again. So I think the priest was just saying, it's not worth it. I'm just going to go on. And then the Levite, likewise the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now I see the Levite may have had a thought of compassion. Because he came and he looked. So when he came up, he walked over and he actually looked at the guy. Maybe he was thinking, this guy needs help, man. He's still breathing. But I'm on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if I stop, I might get beaten too. I might get robbed. I might die. I don't know. But it's not worth the effort. It's not worth the time. Maybe I'll pray for him a little bit on my way. <laughs> you know, how often do we do that? When we pass somebody in need and we're like, oh, I'll pray for him. But we don't stop. We don't try. We don't do our part, um, and I think that's really the point of this whole parable: is your heart condition is not always enough. Your compassion is not enough. You have to act. We have to try. We have to be conscious enough to act on what our heart is telling us to do. So this Levite didn't do that. I believe that he. I, I believe because he actually stopped and he looked. From what it looks like to me, he might have had some compassion, but he did not act on it, which is no better than having no compassion at all. It's the same thing. So he went on. And then a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, on the next day when he departed, this guy spent the night with this dude. I mean, I don't know where he was going. I'm sure he was in a hurry. He had places to be, but he spent the night with this guy. And he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and what, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So when you look at the Samaritan versus the priest, obviously there's a dark, deep contrast and the Levite there's also a contrast and what it is is the Samaritan saw a need and he didn't consider his his safety he put himself in harm's way to stop he bandaged him and I doubt he was carrying bandages realistically I mean he may have been carrying bandages but more likely he took his cloak and he cut it into pieces and he bandaged this guy with it he poured wine on his wounds to disinfect it and oil to protect them from any more bacteria collecting and I don't know what kind of oil it doesn't say. It probably it might have been olive oil, it might have been Spike nerd, it might have been some kind of disinfected oil. I don't know. They commonly carried medicinal oils with them wherever they went. But it just goes to show that this guy had zero concern for his own safety. He had no concern for his own finances. He had no concern for uh, you know, the time that he was losing taking care of this guy that he didn't know. He knew he was a Jew. Somehow, I assume it was because the guy was naked and he saw that he'd been circumcised and he knew this guy's a Jew. I'm not. Um, Some of the Samaritans were circumcised, but I mean, all the Jews were. So I assume that's probably what he was thinking. But it didn't matter. And we have to think, too, remember that what makes this really impactful is that Samaria are the descendants of those of northern Israel, right? They're They're the tribes that fell away from God the tribes that were actually so evil that they weren't uh deported uh by by persia when when all of that all of the junk fell apart you know uh after babylon and all of that so they were allowed to keep their land they weren't sent away because they were so mingle intermingled into the pagan practices now they were originally jews but they had been uh, they had been deluded through time, through the past thousand years, um, you know, through all the northern kings, and they were at war with Israel for so long, they were considered traitors. The Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans because they had turned their back on them. They should have been the same people, they were all the same tribe, they were all Israelites in the beginning, and the Samaritans were the ones who turned away. So the Jews hated them, and we know that, I don't like them, the Samaritans, but. I don't I don't think we have a real grasp of the animosity between the two people. And the Samaritans hated the Jews because they hated them. Why? Why do you hate me? Well, and you know how it is. Sometimes, you know, when you're in high school, people just don't like you for whatever reason, and you don't know them from Adam. You just hate them back because it's the thing to do. And I think that's what's happening here with the Samaritan. Um, but this guy, he didn't care. He sees the guy laying on the side of the road, beaten and bloody, dying, and he says... This guy's my enemy, and that's okay, because he needs my help. So he did all of these things again. My time is not important. My money's not important. My clothes are not important. My legs are not important. I got to walk this whole journey. I was riding my horse, but I got this other dude on my horse, and he took him to an inn. Now there were inns along the way. In fact, there's actually a, a, an inn, or the remnants of an inn, that was built in the Ottoman during the Ottoman Empire on this road that sits on top of the end that, that was here. Um, because for some reason, we, people have held on to this story. People have, even, and the Ottoman Empire was an Islamic empire, right? So they, they even look at this story like, wow, that was a big deal. Because Jesus being a prophet told this parable, and it made a huge impact on so many people for thousands and thousands of years. But, so it wasn't like this guy had to travel all the way back to Jerusalem or all the way to Jericho to find an end. There was one there. But he stayed the night with him there not concerned with his time, where he had to be, probably on business, because he's traveling from one place to the other. And when he leaves in the morning, he says, if what I've given you isn't enough, I'll give you more to take care of this guy. I mean, I can't imagine coming across one of my enemies and treating him that way. I mean, I'm, I'm no better than the, than the Levite normally. But when we see people in need, when I see people in need now, I try to be intentional and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm better than anybody because I'm not, because I fall short so much at the time, but there are so many examples that, that Millie and I could give you about our walk when we were, when we first came to Texas, especially, um, about the things that we see where we, you see a need, you know, there's a, at one point we were in Walmart and there was a girl in Walmart with holes in her shoes. And she was. She seemed okay. She seemed happy. But, you know, the the Holy Spirit points out, look, look at her shoes. She's got holes in her shoes. So when Melanie went and talked to her about it, she finds out a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and she offers to help her out with this and help her out a little bit more with this. You know, buy her daughter a a baby doll because she wanted one. And come to find out, this girl had just emptied her entire savings to pay for a divorce from an abusive husband and uh we had no idea but it was the spirit pointing out these little things like this guy on the road you know this god gave the priest an opportunity because he put that guy in his path god gave the levite an opportunity because he put him in his path and they both failed miserably and we fail every day but we just have to be intentional to do the right thing like like jesus said like like this man here and so jesus says so which of the three do you think was actually a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And I can imagine that the lawyer was like, the one who showed him mercy. I don't think he was buying it, man. I don't think he was. I think he was just like saying the right thing because there were a thousand people standing around. and He didn't want to look like an idiot, you know. And I see that happen so many times that people become speechless and they don't know what to say around Jesus when he corrects them. And he says, go and do likewise. But again, go and do likewise. You know, that's what we're called to do. But why is it so important for us to go and do likewise? Why is it so important for us to help those in need? Is it for those in need? Not entirely. It's also for us. And when we look at Matthew 25, 31 through 46, you can see the importance of taking care of those that are around you. So Matthew says, when the Son of Man came in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another. As the sheep divides the sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right hand come you blessed you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food and i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me and i was in prison and you came to me i think that right there is much more in detail telling us the importance of helping others because if you read on here you'll see what happens if we don't make our heart look in that direction then the righteous will answer him and saying Lord, when did we see the hungry and feed you? When, or when were you thirsty and we gave you drink? When did we see, a stranger, see you a stranger and take you in? When were you naked and we clothed you? Or when did we uh, see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and he will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you in as much as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then from there, the rest of that... Um, is just talking about the opposite. Well, I don't want to be in the opposite. I'm just going to... I don't want to be in the opposite. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God didn't create hell for the purpose of punishing the wicked. That's not what hell was made for. Hell was made as a prison and a place of torment for the angels that fell from heaven. They were the ones who turned against him in the beginning And he wants to keep them in eternal punishment. But when we side with them, that's where we'll go. And wickedness and evil doesn't always look like wickedness and evil. And here's a great example of an evil that we may not even realize. For when I was hungry, you gave me no food. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. And when I was a stranger, you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. But we don't think of these things as being evil. When you're driving down the road and you see someone in need, and you just think to yourself, "Man, I really would like to help them, but I just don't have time." Or you see a girl in Walmart with holes in her shoes, and you just pass by and you're like, "Man, she needs some new shoes. I'll pray for her. Maybe something will happen and she'll get some." We don't think about that being evil. But he says right here that this is this is an evil that will send you into the fire of hell, not taking care of the people that you see in need. And that includes your enemies. It's not, just, it's not just the people that you love. It's not just the people that you might know. It's not just people in the church. These are people that are all over the place that we pass by every single day that we just ignore. And prayer is powerful. And I'm, but I'm so sick of people saying that prayer, it, prayer is all they need. Prayer is, the, prayer is the most powerful thing. It is powerful. But we're also His hands and feet. And he put us here to take care of these guys and take care of each other. And if we're not doing that, if all we're doing is praying for them, then we're falling short. And this is and this is a reminder to myself because it happens so often. Even for me, every day, I'm like, man, I just don't have time. Man, I just don't have time. I've got 20 minutes to be there. I can't spare five. Well, what's more important? This guy over here who's starving to death or the shopping spree i'm about to go on you know i don't know what's more important me or them and i would say that jesus said you know jesus says love others as yourself i think he wants you to love others more than yourself because if we live in a mindset and a heart condition the way that he did the way we're supposed to follow in jesus footsteps right live like jesus live like christ be christ-like i mean that's what christian means right to be christ-like he didn't put us on equal standing to himself. He put him, He put us above himself. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed so much for us. I mean, he had nothing on behalf of us. And we need to do the same thing. But So I'll I want to pray for us right now uh, before we, uh, before we dismiss. Heavenly Father, God I'm so very grateful for the opportunity to get to share your word with this congregation father I, I ask that you soften the hearts of, of everyone here, including myself, Lord, that we take your scripture, we take your word, we take your commandments, not as suggestions, but as truth and the only way to you and that we see the needs around us and we listen for we open our spiritual ears Lord and we are, allow our spirits to hear when your spirit speaking to us and when people are in need even though they may not look like it that we act on that need Father help us to not put ourselves first but put others first And not just 50% of the time or 70% of the time, but as often as our flesh will allow it, please take that out of the way. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. God, and I ask you to bless it, and not just today, but the entire week, Lord. And we ask you to, to be with us and walk beside us. In your name we pray, amen.